say that you don't really want it with us, yeah. We love you, know. We came here to say that you don't really want it with us, yeah. The sports show. Yeah. 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 What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Year Sports Show. It is your boy, Big Baby, <clears throat> aka the Soul of R&B. And to my right, yes, that that nickname is going to stick with me um, for a while. Um, to my right, the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. Here, what's up, everybody? What's up? The newest member of the gang, gang, gang. And to my far right, the Queen, aka Queen Captain Falcon, aka Queen <laughs> Tay. What's up, everybody? I just What's find it funny on? though that Matt promises me a chain and then is not on the show the next week, right? <laughs> Matt can't Matt can't make those type of promises. I keep telling him that like, promises me a chain and then it's just like, yeah, I'm 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 not gonna be there next week. See, it's not the, the problem is he's not even promising your sports show change. He's promising Jabba to like Jabba Tears network change. <laughs> like, like, like you gotta hey, hey, bro, you gotta relax. <laughs> Listen, I'm a I'm a poor I'm a poor Rican. I take any change. <laughs> we'll come yeah. up with something. We'll, we'll definitely come up with something. We'll definitely come up with something. But once again, welcome back to another episode of the Your Sports Show, episode 33. Um we coined it the Patrick Ewing episode, but for many Knicks fans, I know not too many of the greatest memories of Patrick Ewing's, but you know. And that man carried that team for decades. I don't care what nobody says. He did. He did. And then just oh, finger roll. <laughs> the man's knees were shot, man. He couldn't jump. He had the Antoine Walker jump going on. He was, was there cool. at the rim. <laughs> His, his, his fingers touched the top of the rim. <laughs> he didn't have the elevation, man. You gotta, you gotta have that nice elevation. Just let it roll right off and in the basket. He didn't have it. Nah, he had it. He had it. We're not gonna give Patrick Ewing no excuses for us ever. But how's y'all weeks been? How what's been going on this week has been? Is it a, a lot? Interesting. It's been a lot. <laughs> My biggest question of the week is why they took Maury off of Channel 11 after like 25 years. Say word? What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. What, what is nah. every black and brown child going to watch now when they're home from right. school? Right. right. What, what are we going to watch? They, pick, they put their new show on for an extra hour. Like Nobody asks for that. What yeah. show? The, their, news, their morning news show. Nobody want to watch that bullshit, really. <laughs> yeah, we got, it, it's 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 simple. It's it's the news. It's Maury. Then it's uh, re- repeats of Jerry Springer. And then sometimes, if you really bored, you watch the Steve Wilco show. That's right. And then you and then you go over to CBS and watch The Price Is Right. That's, That's it. Right. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, that actually sounds about right. I ain't gonna hold you. Generational thing. Yeah. 9, yeah. 10, 11, and then Price is Right usually at either 11 or noon, depending. Yeah. I think the new one got moved to mm-hmm. noon. Yeah. And then you watch, if you, was, if you was me and you was in your grandmother's house, you ended up watching soap operas at 1 o'clock because yeah. you had all my children at 1 o'clock. 
And then one life to live at two o'clock. All yep. of this. All of this. At three. Right. Oh, good times. Oh, my gosh. Good times. Life was so much easier. I know. <laughs> Life was so much easier. But um, we have a pretty good show today. Pretty good topics to get into. Um, we usually start with wrestling last. I don't know why, but I've always done that. But we want. To, I want to start with wrestling first this week. Let's talk about SmackDown. Um, I don't see too many Floyds with the show, but um, what are some good, bad, and uglies about SmackDown this week, Peter? Um, so I really, I really liked, and, and we spoke about this last week on episode 32, mm-hmm. that I said I wanted to see more out of Jay Uso in a singles capacity. And what mm-hmm. they did with him this week, uh, with him facing AJ Styles, really showing out and getting that, the, getting that rub, right? You know, he didn't just beat anybody. He beat a former WWE champion in AJ Styles. Um, obviously, AJ can make anybody look great in that ring. Um, but mm-hmm. the match that he had with AJ was really good. Yes, um, I'm very, I'm very interested in Hell in a Cell, and even more so now because now when you give a guy like Jey Uso credible wins, and it wasn't a cheap win either, it was a credible, clean win over mm-hmm. AJ. If you keep doing that over the course of the next couple of weeks until Hell in a Cell, you really walk into Hell in a Cell thinking Jey Uso really has a shot, and then we're looking forward to hopefully the shenanigans that happen that keep this right. story going because now I really am invested in this story. Um, and lastly, the only thing that I would say was really, really great uh, for SmackDown uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And we, and I kind of brought this up in the chat last night with us was, is the Sasha Bailey storyline. My only mm-hmm. issue is I don't want it to be too short. I really want this to go all the way to mania. I really like the way this can be played out. Uh, and it gives me real, uh, I mentioned this, the Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho storyline vibes from 1998 when Jericho was the Cruiserweight champion. And he wanted Dean Malenko nowhere near that championship. And he screwed Dean Malenko out of every single opportunity yeah. that he had to get a shot at the title. And then mm-hmm. Dean had to like disguise himself as Cyclope in that Cruiserweight rumble. And mm-hmm. Hoovy jumped over the ropes to eliminate himself so Cyclope could win. And <laughs> Jericho was like super duper hype. Oh, yeah, I'm going to face Cyclope. And then there was that moment where Cyclope unmasked in the middle of the ring and it's Dean Malenko. And Jericho loses his absolute shit. And it's one of the biggest pops you've ever heard Dean Malenko get uh, at that time. And I really would love for something like that to happen with Sasha and Bailey. I mean, it's been 12 years since that. I'm mean, sorry, not 12 years, 28 years since that has happened. Uh, uh, 22 years, I should say. My math is real off. Um, that this has happened between in WCW. Imagine right. Sasha getting burned at every opportunity by Bailey, one way or another, screwing Sasha out at getting a legitimate shot after this week's upcoming SmackDown. And then we get to the point where Sasha has to like get her way into the Rumble. And Sasha, I would even have Sasha like eliminated in the Rumble and then come out disguised as somebody else and win the Rumble that way. And then it's like Bailey's like, oh, I don't got to worry about it. And then it ends up being Sasha anyway. Right. Really, really cool. The pop would be awesome. And then Sasha going to Mania and winning it from Bailey at Mania, I think would be in fucking credible. Um, so those are my two big highlights from SmackDown. The two big storylines, I think, are really going well. Tell your thoughts. Well, let's start from the, the match at Class of Champions. Um, 
with Roman and Jay Uso. I think it was very, very awesome. I think that even though, like everyone was saying last weekend, that they didn't see a snowball chance in hell of Jay winning, just the way that it unfolded during the match, the storytelling between the both, how strong Roman really looked and how strong Jay even looked in fighting Roman. You get what I'm saying? He didn't back down. People thought it was going to be like a quick one, two, three. And how he didn't back down and how it took his brother to come and just be like, like, what's gotten into you, man? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it 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 gave another layer of complexity to the family drama. And even though, like, he did have a good, Jay also did have a good match against AJ Styles last night, I still feel as if I'm not too focused on if he's good for the Universal title. You get what I'm saying? I'm more focused on how is this going to unravel over the next couple of months. I know that there's going to be probably more twists and turns that this takes. Um, one of the things, uh, and I echo Peter on the Bailey Sasha thing, I wouldn't necessarily let it drag out to Mania, even though it's a Mania-level match. Not in this capacity. It has to kind of unfold a little bit more because I would hate months and months and months and months. You know, like how they did the slow burn. It has to have a slow, I get what you mean, like a slow, like, mm-hmm. you know, unveiling. But um, I see it cultivating at Royal Rumble. You know, um, mm-hmm. I can see it cultivating at Royal Rumble. The next big um, pay-per-view is Survivor Series, but that's normally like a brand thing. So, yeah. Um, also, the, I would say I'm liking the inclusion of Kevin Owens into the Fiend Alexa Bliss type of thing. I want to see how that kind of unfolds because I think they're supposed to be facing each other next week on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see a little bit less of the Miz and Morrison with the um, heavy machinery. I think they could be doing a little bit more with Otis right now. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to forget that he has the money in the bank briefcase. And um, yeah. I'm also, I want to see Riddle and Corbin away from each other for a little while too. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, any bad on SmackDown outside of... Um, saying, like no, not bad. I was just saying like, just I wish that they'd wrap some things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that vein, um, in that vein, I'm really starting to get sick and tired of this slow burn that is the Lucha House Party breakup. Like, <laughs> can we just have it happen already? Like, I actually expected it to happen at the pay-per-view, yeah. like, and have, like, Kalisto screw them out of the tag titles, and then this kind of, like, be the next big storyline for Lucha House Party. Because don't get me wrong, all three of them, Kalisto, Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado, are great in-ring athletes. And the mm-hmm. matches that we could have with this, um, with this storyline, I think could be athletically really off the charts. Um mm-hmm. And I'd like to see Kalisto be spun off to other opportunities. Even Metalik, I think Metalik has shown even uh, that he can probably be somebody in like the Intercontinental title picture that could really help, you know, get some matches out there. Same with Lindsay and Kalisto, even though they're a little on the smaller end for WWE. Um, but imagine the matches you would get between like a Jeff Hardy and a Grand Metalik, right? Uh, and things like mm. that. So I want this to be over with already. Because I feel like it's like every single week, it's the same damn thing. And now they inserted it into this match with Riddle and Corbin, which is really just a way to get two stories in the same match. Um, that needs to end already. Um, so that was really my only bad 
about about SmackDown last night was that this just continues to slow burn. Um, last, I would say I didn't like the fact that commentary didn't acknowledge Carmella. Like the last vignette yeah. happened. The last vignette yeah. happened. She reveals herself. I could understand if you don't want to play up the fact that her and Corey are in a real life relationship, even though Heyman kind of already made a reference to that. Mm -hmm. um, but why didn't commentary at least say, oh, wow, it's Carmella. Look at this. Look at this. What, what, what are we going to get out of this new change in Carmella? What, is, what does she mean by she's not the princess anymore? Um, just a small acknowledgement on commentary after that final vignette and her revealing herself, I think would have been beneficial. And I was really confused as to why there was no mention of it. Yeah, yeah they definitely need more. I feel like in order to keep the Sasha and Bailey storyline fresh, they need more women padded around them. And yes. like you said, um, Carmella was a real big deal on SmackDown at one point, um, from what I can remember. And I like the fact that she's back with a new persona. I don't think she needed a new persona, personally. You know what I'm saying? I don't think she needed that refresh. But we'll see what that means. You know what I'm saying? But um, with, I feel like as if the women's division is kind of lacking on both shows. Yeah, outside, you said this before. Yeah, outside the Sasha Bailey storyline, there aren't any really big stories being told for the women, and they have a wealth of talent on both um, brands. You know what I'm saying? So I would have liked to see. Well, we know, you know, we hope Naomi had the speedy recovery from surgery. You know what I'm saying? But you have a lot of women, you know, that could kind of make this interesting. You have Tamina, you know, who had a really good um, first quarter of the year. You know what I'm saying? With her little, um, like you said, vignettes. Mm -hmm. And then on the Raw side, like, you know, Oscar's dominant, and that's cool. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like w instead of filling with repetitive things, you have a chance to kind of break open the the valley for women, at least. And um, I'm tired of seeing Oscar beat everybody the same. Well, I think it was interesting on Raw. They have been, you know, obviously with Zelina, they're trying to push a new a new woman on Raw. Uh, I didn't understand the move of Dana Brooke to Raw. I thought she would have been better served on SmackDown. Um, you know, obviously we lose we lose the daddy of SmackDown, Sonya Deville. Obviously, the personal issues that are going on in her life. Uh, I really would have loved to have seen how Sonya would have really matured on uh, on the SmackDown brand. And I think even. The move of Mandy to Raw, if Sonya would have stayed, would have done a lot more for Sonya yeah. um, outside of like the Otis storyline um, because we would have been able to see Sonya blossom without having Mandy there either as an opponent or a partner. Um, and to touch on what Tay said, not only the wealth of women, I mean NXT has a wealth of women. Right. And a lot of women that are not being regularly used. And I would love to see a little bit more, especially now that we have the, the draft coming up. Right. I would have liked to see a little bit more integration from the NXT women. Right. There's no reason why I don't think someone like a Rhea Ripley, um, who isn't doing anything right now outside of this slow burn storyline with like Raquel Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. You know, why she can't make an occasional trip to a SmackDown or to a Raw and show up and be and, and be a player, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. stay exclusive down to NXT because when they get drafted, I think, and we know that some of these NXT stars are going to get drafted, right? Mm -hmm. We just know what's going to happen. Um, 
I would have liked to have seen them get some exposure on Raw and SmackDown to make them more viable for the crowds that only watch Raw and SmackDown and don't watch NXT. Awesome. And my my last wrestling point um, would be that I do like the new complexity to the Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins family feud, that thing with um, their daughter, um, Aaliyah, and... uh, And Murphy, that was hilarious. <laughs> Bruh. He gave my brother a Stephanie McMahon slap. Son, like, <laughs> that storyline is so funny. It just, it it always, it reminds me of the McMahons. Anytime the, the McMahons are feuding with, with each other. And and, and it, it's just so funny. And it, it's, it's like, you know, at first I'm just like, okay. But Seth is doing a hell of a job as, as this Messiah character. I don't think people I are giving him enough laugh. credit. I uh, love yeah. that goofy laugh. Like, I love it. I love it. I think Seth is, is awesome. You know, we're probably going to lose him for a couple of months. Soon, yes. Yeah. Soon, soon, soon. But, yeah. oh my goodness. And this is such yes. a good time for us to see what's going on with Murray. What's his name? Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. Or as I like to call him, uh, the the former Mister Alexa Bliss. Oh, that's tough. I just let me just go to the comments real quick uh, before I give my opinions. Amanda Panda says, "Yeah." What's up, boo? Hey. All right, Katrina fun. says, "Yeah." Yeah. Shout outs to uh to her and um and our boy uh Michael. We were on the Raw Zone or um. Not too long, a couple actually, a couple days ago, nice. in the studio and and from home. So thank you, shouts to her. Uh, she says the Romeo and Juliet storyline. Montague's and Capulets. That's right. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. Triple H and Stephanie romance. If it turns I, into that, that. She, oh my god, I felt that. I felt that because Aaliyah, you know, they're trying to say she's so uh, naive. You know, that's mm. the big thing. You know, when Stephanie first came out, you know, she was mm. like smiling. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Yes, I got his name. I, I Listen, I, I didn't get too much sleep last night. I went to sleep like that. I mean, <laughs> so, um, but my thoughts on, on, on SmackDown, good, bad, and ugly. Um, really, the good is just the whole Roman Reigns storyline, seeing how it's developing. Yeah. Um, just seeing the character. I love character development. That's my biggest thing when it comes to wrestling and why I, I, I used to love like wrestling in the past to see characters develop. Um, Roman Reigns is doing a great job as a heel and it, it, people are confused. People don't know whether to like, oh, is he a heel? Is, is he not? I don't see how. I don't see where, where, where's the confusion. It was, clear, com- it was clear that he was a, a, a heel when he first aligned with Paul Heyman, mm-hmm. right? Yes. When he came in at the last minute of that mm-hmm. match, that's not a good guy move. Like, right. what good guy does that? None right. of them. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's, that's, that's clue two. Yes. And clue three would have been when him and Jay Uso, you know, the first time they were in the ring and how he looked at him. Yeah. That's. And then the ass whooping he gave him, and how he was talking, like I told you, and you know he started yeah. really like I told you, I was like, oh. A lot oh. of people were a lot of people were comparing it. There was a meme that was going around where a lot of people were comparing it, like scene for scene, with the uh, 
the with Rocky when when uh, Drago yeah. beat the hell out of Apollo, mm-hmm. Apollo Creed, uh, yeah. and kind of Rocky throwing in the towel. That was funny. Yeah, but that, I think- that reminds me of the the Owen Brett um, yeah. storyline yeah. when yeah. their mom threw in the towel, and that mm-hmm. cultivated at WrestleMania ten. I want to say. Ten, yes. When they um the iconic match, yeah, brother yeah, versus when, brother, but that yeah. came together the whole thing. Yeah. So we'll but my, again, and, and that's oh. the very interesting thing, right? If this goes that route, if this mm-hmm. elevates Jay Uso, what does that mm-hmm. do to Jimmy and the tag team, right? Because again, we all know Vince is allergic to tag teams, with the exception mm-hmm. of like a couple, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as I want Jay to really flourish because of this, like. I wonder what it does to Jimmy when he does come back. Does he get lost in the shuffle? Does Jay's push automatically get devalued and he goes back to being a tag team specialist? How does this work? Because Vince doesn't isn't going to I I playfully mess with the Usos and I call them the WWE's um light version of the Briscoes. Right, because mm-hmm. they're the best way the WWE is gonna get the Briscoe brothers on television. If you look at the whole like Uso penitentiary <laughs> thing. Um, oh, man. But my Damn. thing is, Mark and Jay Briscoe, <laughs> the way Ring of Honor was able to keep them yeah. as a as a tag team, then separate them for a time, make them mm-hmm. both single stars. And one of them, uh, if I'm not mistaken, both of them champion at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to go back to them still being a dominant tag team while still being seen as a relevant single star, mm-hmm. I don't think Vince can do that. Right, because Vince has never shown me that he can do that. He cannot take a tag team, break them up, make them singly important, and then bring them back together, and still keep the importance as a tag and singles. I agree with that. Um, they kind of with the new day. They injuries, kind of injuries kind of messed that up. Yeah, injuries Def, messed that up. But I agree with you on that. I feel that with with Jay Uso, no matter what, it was always mm. supposed to be Roman on top. Yes. And even after this, it shows, I feel that him going back to the tag team world doesn't devalue him. I don't it may make the Uso stronger. I feel it makes them look stronger. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like with the tag team division, just one last thing. Mm-hmm. What is Shinsuke Nakamura doing in tag team? Because Vince don't know what to do with him and Cesaro and refuses to push like, them as champions. I never, even with Cesaro, like I always liked Cesaro. Don't get me wrong, but people are like he should have been a world heavyweight champion by now, and I don't agree. I think, I, and I think, yeah, I th- I want to put that question up for um for for the next episode about about Cesaro that. and Shinsuke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm we're gonna put that question up for for the next episode. We'll definitely debate that. Uh, when we're back in the studio, um, but my final like 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 um, bad, good and bad for SmackDown. Um, what we're really not talking about, and Shaq definitely brought it up, is um, Sami Zayn and and Jeff Hardy and and this whole Intercontinental Title. Um, just first of all, that match was like it was dope. <laughs> there was spots up like all right, y'all, y'all got to chill. But then there's other, then I'm like okay. It just shows how how good all three of those people were in that match, and how good Sami Zayn really is, and he doesn't get enough oh, yeah. credit. And talk, talk about that match. AJ didn't right. do too much. Like if you to. notice, AJ didn't really do a lot in that match, and right. AJ still played an instrumental part in that match. Right, and he didn't have to. That's that's the crazy part. Like 
the story was more or less about Sammy and, and, and Jeff. And AJ played his part. AJ played his part. And I think that was amazing. But um, and really just the bad on SmackDown, like y'all mentioned, um, the Carmella stuff and and just the Lucha House Party and Matt Riddle and Corbin. And I we we love Baron Corbin here, but move him to something else. Please. I just want I want Baron Corbin to have a title run. Like an actual it's only gonna happen actual yeah, I think he actual title. Try. Think so right, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. He, he has to be the one to be Drew. He has to be the one to be Drew. I think so. I think so. I think either him or Riddle are moving to Raw. The amount of nuclear heat that that Corbin would get if he were to beat Drew on Raw, that would be through the roof. But I always saw something with Corbin, man. Like. Mm-hmm. From day one, I'm like, this guy has star written all over him. And he's somebody who can never be a good guy. Yeah, never. I never, can never, 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 never buy it. Never, never. He was a little never. bit. He was a little bit of like an anti-hero when he was in NXT and he was doing the original uh, Baron Corbin gimmick. He wasn't a full heel or a full face. He was a little bit of like that that cool, like the women love him, that rugged kind of anti-hero kind of thing. Like, yeah, I don't think he kind of a little. He was yeah. kind of like what we see punishment doing now. Um, uh-huh. And I've always loved Corbin's music. To me, the best part about Corbin has always been his entrance theme. Um, Corbin, he's so aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's so aggressive, and um, it's time. It is. It's it time. Is. I don't want to see unless Edge is one of them damn legends that Randy Orton. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see Rick Craig beat up no more. Could Corbin? So here's my <laughs> thing, though. Do and you we'll move on after it, this question. Yeah, uh-huh. and this this would be something that we could pin later, right? Like, uh-huh. does Corbin yes. win the title from Drew straight up, or can Corbin win the Rumble and then win the title? We'll we'll leave that up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yep. we'll definitely leave that up. We'll definitely leave that up. That's a that's a great way. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Who was the last so, to win the Rumble? When's the, who was the last person to win it? The heel. I, I know the last, oh, last, last heel. Was it Orton? I feel like it was Isn't Orton it? or Triple H. Sheamus. I feel like or it, it was. I feel like I it had to she- Yeah, had to, I think it was Sheamus. Uh, let, me, well, let me see. Or Triple H. When Triple H had the title, Batista, but Batista wasn't supposed to Batista, be. There. Yeah, Batista. Yeah, that that was weird. <laughs> that was, that was a, a lot yeah. of weird stuff was going on there. It was um. It had to been in 2016. Yeah, it was Triple um, H uh, with, with the um, you know, the the, the world title Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, but um. Yeah, because you had uh, well, well, Seth was a baby when Seth won it. Yes. Randy. Not that Seth won the Royal Rumble. Randy in uh, in, in in Texas. No, he, when he when, no, he was. Oh, oh! This is is this during the um the, feed, the what's the name Bray Wyatt, the, the, the the Bray Wyatt storyline? I think this was the 2017 Rumble. Yes, yeah. Orton won, Saints, yeah, Sha- Orton won the Rumble, and then that mm-hmm. was because that was the year after uh, Triple H won the Rumble, where Roman defended the title. So you had gotcha. Triple H win it in 16. Uh, and then Orton win it in 17, and then you went Nakamura, Nakamura Seth, and Drew. Seth, and Drew. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. So, um, maybe it's time for Corbin. You said what? It's time for Corbin. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, moving on from the WWE, we're going on to the NFL. So, we've had um, some breaking. Ooh. We've had a lot of breaking news in the past like, week. Tw- the past week, and especially in the past 24 hours. Yeah. Let's start with um, the most recent. Um, we're because it just happened. Um, Cam Newton has um, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, it's just crazy. And Tavia, what did we say a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the NFL coming back? And and it's definitely week four. <laughs> yeah, that Rona was going to win the Super Bowl for sure. For sure, R- Rona is you know, it's leading so- the league right now. It's so ignorant how people are still not taking this virus seriously. I mean, if you really had legitimate safety precautions mm-hmm. for the NFL, you should have had these people in a bubble. Right. You shouldn't have had these teams traveling because you don't know who they, they've come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Look at Trump was diagnosed on Wednesday. Didn't tell anybody until Friday. Oh, what? Thursday night? Mm-hmm. And now, like, at least almost a hundred people that he's been in contact with are at fear of contracting the coronavirus. Now look at these football players. They're traveling every week. Mm-hmm. They're around hundreds of personnel. Other teams, they're hundreds of personnel. Mm-hmm. So what does this mean in, for the rest of the season? What are they going to do? Are they going to postpone? Because remember, this happens with MLB too. Mm-hmm. Whole they team did. in Rona. It definitely did. It and I definitely don't get did. Why they're having such a problem wearing their masks? I don't get it. And the NFL just released guidance that they said earlier this week that now, outside of the fines, they said that they're going to start docking draft picks they from should. teams that aren't complying with wearing the masks. And you know now they're going to start doing it because draft picks are like gold in the NFL. And right. I'd like to see. I'd like to see a coach try to keep his job when you've cost a team a second or third round or fourth round draft pick. This is the last week that people can get away with calling this a hoax. And we know that it should have been months before. We know that politics play a big part in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? With the owners and how they, they, they kind of lean more towards thinking that this is a, a hoax. So now, when you have your whole entire team not being able to play or postpone, mm-hmm. do you take it seriously? Rona's like, do you see me now? Yeah. Yeah, let's just look at the numbers because the Steelers and the Titans were supposed to play this week. And I'll, what is it? the updated number is 16, right, Pete? It's 16 just on the Titans, eight pers- 18 personnel, eight players uh, testing positive. Only one on the Vikings tested positive, and no, mm-hmm. no further Vikings have tested positive. The Vikings are going forward with their game in week four. Um, we have, obviously, Cam Newton on the Patriots mm-hmm. and a practice squad quarterback for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, testing positive, and so right now the NFL is is really crossing their fingers because we see we saw how things snowballed in Tennessee. It was w- two players 
or I think it was four, two players, two personnel when we mm-hmm. first heard about it earlier in the week. And then all of a sudden it was two more players and then another player and three more people testing positive. And now we're at 16, right? And so they're really hoping that in, in New England and in Kansas City this doesn't snowball because you were about to mention it, the, the amount of schedule acrobatics the mm-hmm. NFL had to do to reschedule this Titans-Steelers uh, game. We thought it was going to be Monday, Tuesday, which is right now the guidance that the NFL is giving for the Chiefs Patriots game uh, is mm-hmm. probably going to get moved to Monday, Tuesday. But then every single day that passed, we realized right now, I think what they're going to be replayed in week eight. It's a, yeah. So um, right now it says uh, the Steelers and Titans have a bye week this week. Um, I believe it's going to be week seven. Yes. Right. And then the, the Steeler game against the Ravens got moved back to week eight. Yes. And then the Ravens have a bye week. Week seven now, right? And um, the and the Steelers got to play thirteen straight games. Thirteen it straight. Feels very unorganized to me. Yeah, it, I mean, honestly, like the NBA did it best. Yeah, they the NBA did it best with the bubble. And they outside of too. Outside of what's his face, mm-hmm. they got that got that got pop going to the strip joint. Um, but he didn't even catch it. He didn't even get right. the virus, and that's the funny part. He didn't even get the virus. Um, <laughs> but the NBA, I think, did it best. And Major League Baseball has done a really, really great job. You know, Tay brought up the fact that there was a team that was really ravaged by the coronavirus. And guess what? They're in the playoffs right now. The <laughs> Miami Marlins, who couldn't play for like two weeks because almost half their team got the COVID, are in the second round of the baseball playoffs right now. He's The, the Miami <laughs> – yo – how how are they in in the divisional round? God only knows, bro. Like that. Like I said, nobody. You don't wish harm or, or death on anybody. They're not even supposed to be there, like because of how like how how hard the virus hit them. Like I think they played a month or a month and a half of like no off days. They were playing double headers like every other two, every two days or something like that to make up for lost games. Just imagine that. I'm like, you know, people like you gotta love the sport that you're in to play the sport, but to to do double headers. And I believe they, I haven't watched too many baseball games, but I believe they cut the games to seven innings, right? Yeah, the double headers got cut to seven innings this year. Uh, this year, um, yeah. which I mean, it, it's you know, it's it's different in terms of mm-hmm. how things get done, but you know, it was still entertaining games. But they wanted to be able to get two games in a day uh, mm-hmm. using less time. Yeah, yeah. They still did a botch job. They just did a great job of of uh, reconfiguring it after they figured out the botch. I think this is the botch. I think the NFL really thought that Corona would have been wrapped up by now, so they mm-hmm. really didn't, you know, have a great tangible second plan. Yeah. So my question to you guys is, how much longer do you think the season will last? Because we're at week four, and all of this is going on. If they don't nip this in the bud, I personally see week seven or week eight, and they're like, we can't do it. I don't agree. I think they're going to still go to the wheels for law. Mm. I agree with Tay. Uh, just knowing the NFL, the owners, their stubbornness, yep. they're going to go to the wheel. Listen, the NFL was not willing to cut weeks off. See, they cut the preseason, but they were not willing to truncate the season. 
like the mm-hmm. like Major League Baseball did. Major League Baseball lost a hundred and two games. 102 games. They gave up 102 games for mm-hmm. every team. That's 30 teams in baseball times 102. They lost all of that television revenue. Okay. Mm-hmm. The NFL is 16 games. Now, I know the NFL gets so much money off of TV contracts. Okay. But they were not willing to truncate the season. Mm-hmm. They were not willing to do anything necessary to safeguard against this. And there are some stadiums that are still letting in fans. Right. And I don't care what safeguards you put in place when an NFL stadium that can that can hold 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 fans, 25 percent is still a lot. That is still a lot of people. OK. And so when you put that many people in a space, I don't care what kind of safeguards you're putting in place. No one can monitor that many people for every moment of that game. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So we, we really just have to wait and see like how this turns out. But you guys may be on to it because the NFL is a cash grab at the end of the day. And if you can play and play and have these players out here until you know the wheels can can fall off, then they had to do it. Start of all the other leagues. I didn't hear you. They have they the had biggest what? Start to be yes. prepared. Yes. They, they had the did. Head start. So they had months. There was like four solid months between the the pandemic begin mm-hmm. beginning and the NFL season that they could have come together, all league owners, presidents, the league, you know what I'm saying, with medical professionals to figure out what's the best way to get this done. You know, they already wear face shields for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, even designing something to make it harder to Cause, you know, they had the time. So this is irresponsible. Very much. And this just Very validates much. all the players that opted out yeah. of the NFL this year. Yes, like yeah. and this this is not a joke. Like people who took the time off, it they did the right thing. Like, you know, fans of teams are not regardless. You have to think about the bigger picture. Like even sp- some sports leagues. The N- um the XFL is not starting until 2022. Like they have to, everything has to be finished. You don't want another, especially for the XFL, which was gaining a little bit of traction. You don't want another like shutdown. That was the last thing you need to to go two for two on that. That's the last thing you need. As, as much money as the Rock and um Danny Garcia spent on that in general, no. And and just what she is. Yes, shout out to her. Shout yeah. out to her. She is like a role model to me. I honestly think her and The Rock purchasing the XFL mm-hmm. was kind of a little bit of inspiration for what J Lo wanted to do when her and A Rod were trying to buy the Mets. Because I think J Lo saw what 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 Danny did with mm-hmm. buying the NFL, the XFL mm-hmm. with The Rock, um, and was just like, you know what? All right, cool. Let's do this. I mean, I, I do think that A-Rod and, and J-Lo did want to buy the team anyway, but I think this added some inspiration to them after what The Rock and Danny did for the, the XFL. And, and, and you know what? Let, let The Rock and Danny Garcia be a testament to every single dude and woman out here in the world who says you cannot have a functioning relationship with your ex. 
not all exes are the right. No, not all exes. I'm still saying, if they can make it work. I'm just saying, like. They can make like, it work. We, I mean, they, they were business partners and, and all that stuff. I'm not making it work with Ray Ray on the block. Like. <laughs> right. I, and I get that. Like, if I was Dwayne, right? If I was Dwayne, Dorot Johnson, I'm like, you know what? I don't just make it work with anybody. <laughs> like I'm the rock. <laughs> but I can say that shows that they that they really had a deep respect for each other regardless. Yeah. Respect and, and love and friendship. Like hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you will want that peace, you know, to come from the end of a marriage. Ninety nine percent of the time it don't happen that way. Mm-hmm. It don't even happen like that at the end of relationships. Like, no. like that, like in the situationship or entanglement. The entanglement, right? The word of twenty twenty entanglement. Oh man! Wow. But that and Rona oh. are the two entries into Webster's next year. Watch. <laughs> it has to be. Right. It has to be. For, well, from entanglements in uh, in one sport to entanglements in another sport. Let's talk about Doc Rivers going to the Philadelphia 76ers. You're getting better, After, with, and better with these transitions, sir. I'm, try, I'm trying. I'm trying. You're helping me. You're helping me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I got it. <laughs> got to do good. I was just about to chat that to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, Doc Rivers, we have a doctor back in Philadelphia. Man. Um, But before we get to his what he's going to do in Philly, we didn't really talk about um, what happened in <laughs> in Los Angeles because he's been he was the Los Angeles Clippers coach for about seven years, and yeah, seven years. Um, he was with he was with Orlando. His first head coaching job was with Orlando from ninety nine to 03. Then with Boston, first three one lead he blew. Man. With Boston, he was in the league for um he was on that team from 04 to 2013 with two finals um appearances. Uh and with the Clippers from 13 2013 to 2020. Um a couple conference finals I believe a couple conference finals appearances or just one. I think it was just one. I think it was just one. Um no, no. I don't think Chris Paul got to the conference finals until he got to Houston. So I, don't, I, I don't think. But they, they, they were uh, definitely uh, a playoff contender every year. Perennial <laughs> year playoff contenders. Right. And with this team, outside of that Lob City team that was supposed to beat the Warriors and they didn't, um, this was his best chance of getting – He's always had a solid team. Yeah, with the with the Clippers, and the thing is, people are like, "Oh, they're upset that that he got fired," but he underperformed as a coach. Oh, I'm not upset. <laughs> I'm not upset. He underperformed. Damn. Sorry. Not sorry. That's Paul George fault too. <laughs> Paul George got to take the blame in that too. Why? But it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of Doc Rivers too, though. I think it's a lot. It's more Doc Rivers for keeping Paul George in the game uh, as much as, as bad as Paul George was playing. Yo, Paul George, I've, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen him be really effective since his Pacer days, and that was years ago. 
So even though he had what people called the best player in the league or in the world and in Kawhi Leonard, I mean, they really underperformed. They had no heart out there at all. They played with this cockiness that it was just them and they were going to do it. And they got really sloppy. Mm-hmm. There was no excuse why they disappeared in the fourth quarter of any closeout game. Like that was ridiculous. Part of it yeah. is part of it is Doc, but part of it's the team too. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you're good, Pete. Your thoughts too. I think I think a lot of it a lot of it has to go on to the players. I've always been a very big uh, supporter of the coach does not lace them up. The coach does not get on the court. The coach does not play defense. Um, and so, to me, when you're talking, especially in the climate that the NFL, uh, the NFL, the NBA is today, right? Um, I don't think Doc is doing a lot of coaching to Kawhi Leonard. I don't think Doc's doing a lot of coaching to Paul George. I think he's doing a lot of talking, and they have a lot of their, like, I'm Paul George, I'm Kawhi Leonard, a lot of that ego, like uh, Tay said. I think it's a lot of those younger players, you know, those those role players that really Doc is really talking to and, and moving the needle with. Um, and so I don't really want to blame Doc. I mean, the Clippers were always – uh, behind the eight ball, they had some, you know, the Lob City teams. I liked them, but we always knew they were not a team that was going to go deep in the playoffs because of the way that they played and the brittleness of Blake Griffin, uh, who a lot of people don't even remember is still in the league, right? Um, right, I forgot about Blake. He's in, right. he's in Detroit being yeah. brittle. So, <laughs> you know, when, when you see what I, I feel like, Doc was the sacrificial lamb. Right. And we saw this kind of happening. Right. See, uh, about two years ago, he gave up his president title to just focus on coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, the president and, and head of the head of the team is now uh, one of my favorite former coaches from uh, New Jersey, uh, Lawrence Frank. Um, Shout basically, out to Lawrence Frank. Yeah. One of the, the, the president of the, of the team now. And I think Doc's just the fall guy. Right, because they weren't going to get rid of Lawrence Frank, because uh, I think they like a lot of the moves that he made. He obviously pulled off the Paul George trade and all that other stuff. So I think they like what he's doing administratively. Um, and there really wasn't—you're not going to get rid of Paul George. You're not going to get rid of Kawhi. You're not going to make any of those drastic moves with those players. So Doc Rivers was the only one, and I think Doc Rivers ended up being the fall guy for for the Clippers. Um, but obviously, I think it goes to show just how much Doc Rivers is respected and his ability as a coach. Um, is is revered and how quickly he landed on his feet with the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. And as we talk about the Sixers, let's talk about their their current roster. We start at the top, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, right? Um, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, um, Josh Richardson. That's basically their starting five. Um, so, but they, they put ahead, um, Horford on the bench. And um, I believe they started uh, Milton. They started starting Milton. Um, with this current roster, right, um, what moves are you making? Well, everybody. <laughs> well, I want to go that far. So Tobias Harris had his best statistical season under Doc Rivers mm-hmm. in, in the Clippers before he got traded. Right. Mm-hmm. So Tobias Harris, I think, is actually being going to be very happy that Doc's coming in. Um, mm-hmm. I think they got to get away, get a find a way to get out of Al Horford's contract. Uh, I love Al Horford. I have a lot of respect for Al Horford. I always liked him when he was in Atlanta uh, for a mm-hmm. long time with the Hawks. I think Al Horford is a very underrated player. 
I for a guess. very long time. But I don't think Al Horford was worth the kind of money that Philly paid him to defect from Boston. Right. This isn't this isn't back in the day when you're trying to get one of those key cogs. Al Horford's a veteran leader, uh, but I don't think he's that type of a money player. The biggest question is going to be around Ben Simmons. I think Embiid stays. Right. I think Embiid stays, but I think Doc has already already coached one non-shooting guard, right? When he coached Rondo in Boston. I don't think he wants to do it again. And so unless Ben Simmons can really develop a jump shot, he may find himself replaced by Austin Rivers very quickly, right? Um, but there is one interesting tidbit. Reports over the last couple of days have shown that there have been a lot of major cracks happening in the relationship between uh, Sacramento uh, Kings player Buddy Heald and Luke Walton. Apparently has not been returning any of Luke Walton's communications, and he's recently gone on Twitter liking everything about Doc Rivers and Philly. And so a lot of rumors are sprouting up as Buddy Heald trying to find his way out of Sacramento to go to Philly with Doc and the boys. Um, that is, I don't know, right? Um, the problem is we know who we're going to trade. <laughs> you know who they're going to trade. It's very likely Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons will probably be the first cog to go because Ben Simmons is in talks for getting traded for that number one pick from for uh from Minnesota. So Ben Simmons is is trade bait right now. Do I see Buddy Hill fitting in with Philadelphia because they need another shooter? Possibly. Um do I see uh Ben Simmons fitting in in on Sacramento? Hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely now, not. There are some interesting free agents, though. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan has a player option in San Antonio. You know, does he pick that up or does he become an unrestricted free agent, right? The big mm-hmm. unrestricted free agents, though, the two big names that I think that are out there are uh, Fred Van Vliet and Goran Dragic. And then and obviously – Gordon Hay. Well, but I think I think I think I think we all expect Hayward to re-sign with the Lakers. I don't think that's a team that's Davis, get Davis, Davis. Out. Yeah. I don't think Anthony mm-hmm. Davis is, is, is going to leave that team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the Pelicans are gonna let Brandon Ingram leave. Uh, but mm-hmm. Montrez Harrell's an unrestricted free agent. He just played with Doc on the Clippers. Gordon mm-hmm. Hayward's got a player option in Boston. Is he gonna pick that up? Are they gonna try to move him? So there are some players that are out there that I think could be interesting. You know, I know Fred Van Vliet is one of these guys that a lot of people have been talking about the Knicks want to try and get him. Oh, but, man. you know, if, if <laughs> Doc – listen, if you could replace Ben Simmons, as great as ben, Seaman, ben Simmons is, with a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who has really been blowing up in Toronto, and you bring Fred Van Vliet, who can shoot lights out, to a place like Philly, and you pair him with Embiid and Tobias Harris, and you pull some some pieces around them. I think in one season they could really remake that team. <laughs> I wish everybody who's listening could see Tavia's face about that. <laughs> Tavia, what do you think? We'll have to get to the second round of the of the finals, maybe. <laughs> the second round of the playoffs, and then somebody go hit a shot on the beginning. <laughs> 
I mean, Joel Embiid, um, I think maybe he needs to be traded. Mm. This kid, he's been around the league for a while now. And, you know, he's been dominant, but in spurts. You know what I'm saying? You when you say Ben Simmons, you said great. You know what I'm saying? When I see Ben, when I see Joel Embiid, that's he very good. You get what I'm saying? So it's just like send his ass to the Knicks. Ooh. Who I just found out the Lakers won more playoff games this season than the Knicks did all century long. Century? Yeah, this is a new century, 2000. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, no, that's terrible. Ben Simmons being the one to get traded. Um, I think it should be Joel Embiid. Um, Pete, you, you wrote about that Al Horford um contract, which is it's not a bad contract when you have four players essentially making almost the same money. Um, that's a lot. Um, where would you send Horford if you're Doc? Where, where would you it's try to send Horford? It's time. <laughs> um, so if I'm Doc, I, mm-hmm. I send him to a team that loves taking players past their prime. I, I send him to the Knicks, right? Um, but, you know, you graveyard. Person, yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and try to see if maybe I could fleece somebody like Mitchell Robinson, right? Or fleece somebody mm. like that they have that they don't really know what to do with, right? Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you can. I think Tatum's going to have to be one of those salary dumps. Tatum's going to, I mean, not Tatum, sorry. Um, I'm talking about Jason Tatum over here. Um, Al Horford's going to have to be one of them salary dumps. He's going to have to be one of those players that you just trade away for maybe some draft pick compensation for something later on down the road. I don't know. I don't know if there's a team that's going to give you, going to match what Al Horford is making in that contract and what you're going to get back. Um, but I do want to touch on something that Tay said, and maybe again, this is something that we could pin to a chat Mm -hmm. or something to next week. We're talking about trading Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Does this mean definitively in 2020 that the process was a waste of time? Because if we look at, if we're trading Embiid or Simmons, we have now gotten rid of what four out of five of the players that were considered that were brought. Nerlens Noel is already gone, right? There was another player who I can't remember who it was, but I think it was another big man that they had drafted during that time. Then you had Embiid and you had Simmons, and I could swear there was another player at, 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 as well, right? If we're trading now Ben or Joel, are we literally now saying the process that that Philly went through for all those years? Was essentially a bust. Yes. We can clearly say that. Clearly. Yeah, we can say that. I think that's a good determination, Pete. Yeah. It was a for bust. Sure. Yeah, it, it's done. Like, it's done. It's absolutely done. It's done. Yeah, I'm trying like, to not... here. We can figure out. I'm trying to remember like, exactly. Blow up the... You're right, Tavia. Blow up the whole damn team. Now, trade because... everybody. Trade everybody. You got a thousand draft picks. 
Um, and you got Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid don't take care of himself, so that's why he's always hurt. He doesn't um, take care of himself. He doesn't have good conditioning. Yeah, he doesn't. He does definitely doesn't have good conditioning, and like, like he he just it seemed like this is one of the times I I will agree with Charles Broccoli. He doesn't like, and B doesn't care. He plays like he acts like he doesn't care half the time, and it's only until somebody says something that he plays like he cares. Or he acts like he cares, which shouldn't be that you're. You're one of the best centers in the league when you put your mind to it, bro. Like, you have to be like that all the time. When he came into the league and people saw his footwork and saw that he was working with Hakeem, people was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, we might have another one. Now it's like, bro, Jokic just flew by you. <laughs> like, he flew by you. I got shit um, sometimes last year. Or a couple of years before, I'm like, Jokic might be better than 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 Embiid. Oh no, no, no! And Jokic, right. like he's out of shape all the time. Right, but Jokic got himself in shape now, and he he better in better shape than he was. I'm sorry, let me let me be clear: better shape than he was, and and he he hasn't missed too much time. Joel Embiid has missed half seasons, almost full seasons already. He's 26 years old. Yeah, man. I Ooh. remember who it was now. It was Jaleel mm. Okafor. Oh, I feel bad for Jaleel Okafor, too. I Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens Noel, Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons were the big, the big picks from this whole process. Obviously, we forget about guys like Ish Smith and Tony Roten. Marco um, Folks. And and Fultz, there's another one. So th- those are the five guys, right? Fultz, mm-hmm. Fultz, Simmons, Joel Embiid, Nerlens mm-hmm. Noel, and Jaleel Okafor. Three of those players are gone out of Philly, and many of mm-hmm. Fultz is trying to rebuild his career in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Jaleel's been injured out with the Pelicans, and Nerlens is literally an off the bench guy in uh, I think in Oklahoma okay, City. Okay, Yep. You know, so we got Ben and Embiid left, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Hmm. Top five, five number one draft picks, and this is where we got. It, it it's it doesn't make sense. That team should be overachieving, but it, it is not. But from a team that's that sometimes it don't work. It doesn't. It doesn't. Not everybody but, can be the Spurs and find the perfect draft talent. Not everybody can be the Spurs. You're a hundred percent right. Hundred percent right. But from a team that's I'm underachieving to yeah. I'm joking, yeah. I like how <laughs> to me the, the saddest days in basketball, the saddest days in basketball will be the day that Greg Popovich retires mm-hmm. and the day that Coach K retires from Duke. Oh that's gonna suck. <laughs> that's gonna suck. Bro, oh man. Seeing Pop retire is just gonna be like <sighs> and, and you know what's funny? Beat, Whoever has beat to follow my teams. Him, so many times, but imagine, I like you. <laughs> Dre, imagine the shoes somebody's going to have to fill following Greg Popovich in San Antonio. Probably be Steve Nash. <laughs> Stop it. Listen, that's my team. Unfortunately, I have to live with the fact that we have a shit point guard who we're going to talk about later in the show. And the team? 
I was a Jersey fan for a long time, and I transferred. Get him off my screen. Get him I off transferred my when he went to Get Brooklyn. She doesn't like. No, she like I said. We we spoke about this on uh, after the year end on here. Uh, Tavia's personal gripe against the Brooklyn Nets, which again I'm not. I don't fault her for because when I was younger, I was seeing it happen before the stadium already got built. But again, that's a whole nother. That's a whole. <laughs> I was a Jersey episode. fan. Back in the days, uh, mm-hmm. back in the days when I was transitioning between the New York Knicks of the '90s and the, and the early Nets, and I just mm-hmm. I really clicked with the Nets back in the I, I clicked with the Knicks, but they were a huge defensive powerhouse in the East. I was a huge Knicks fan, mm-hmm. um, and then I stumbled upon like the Stephon Marbury, Keith Van mm-hmm. Horn, Jason Williams Nets right at the tail end of that run, and then when they got Jason Kidd, I was a huge Jason Kidd fan, and so I was too. I, I became a really big Nets fan when we're talking about Kid Kittles, Martin, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Richard Jefferson as a rookie mm-hmm. and really watching that team explode. And I've been with them ever since. I've been with them through the downtimes of Devin Harris and mm-hmm. Darren Williams. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been a rough Lord, go. Lord, Lord, Nets Lord. But I'm glad you bring up their, their past point guards because their, their current point guard usually has a lot to say. Kyrie Irving. Um, he basically said this. I'm just gonna get right into the quote. This is the first time in my career I can look down and be like, "That motherfucker can um, make that shot too." So, um, I'm and sh- um, Matt said this in the chat. Um, that Kevin Durant, I believe him and Kevin Durant spoke about it on the show or something like that. But just off face value. Not knowing if Kevin Durant said anything about it or Kyrie responded when she did on 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 um online, um, just taking it at face value. Tavia, what do, do you see in that quote? How do I put this mildly? Don't. Don't. <laughs> Ignorant. Um. Delusional. Um, oh, the things you've called Kyrie Irving before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it sounds like somebody who is very uncoachable and a very toxic member of any locker room. He puts his foot in his mouth too many times to have done mm-hmm. nothing since LeBron left. What has he done? Since he wasn't with LeBron anymore. Sorry, I'm going through comments. I, I messed that up. What has he yeah. done? What has he done? <laughs> Somebody need to tell me. <laughs> Somebody need to tell me. I look at him like, motherfucker, you can't shoot. Like, <laughs> you make some questionable plays as a point guard, bro. Like, I don't think he should be saying anything like that. It's, it's unbecoming. Mm-hmm. As a floor general. Yeah, and uh, let me tell you something. He's not clutch. Oof. You you want I have stats to back that up. Oof. So when the game was on the line, Kyrie has gone 77 for 210, which is a 36%. Okay. When the game is on the line. That's low. Mm -hmm. He's not the person who I would want to put the ball in the hands. When the game is on the line, that'll be KD. But I don't get why these players try to sit on LeBron so much either, because that was a dig at LeBron too. 
No, but let me say it. Um, LeBron sexual. <laughs> and then you know Kendrick Perkins put his foot even further in his. <sighs> Kendrick Perkins just has to stop talking, bro. That that's Kendrick trying to that earn is. that TV money. He trying to really earn every dollar of that TV. For Kendrick Perkins, though, but you know he be taking it to like first two, like out of four sentences, the first two be on point, and then he goes all to the left. With the second two, like this quote this morning was, Kyrie is a bona fide hater. He's so jealous. He was right. Then he goes, and he envied LeBron's James, LeBron James that he can't even hide it. That's when he kind of, you know, the deep That's when he starts to like. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Kyrie, he is, he's very problematic. Mm. And I'm like, ew. Like, shut up. Pete, what are your thoughts on it? Kyrie Irving a whole damn fool. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, and the only quote that really fits is a quote by somebody that Tavia hates. What Kyrie Irving said was asinine. Oh, did he freeze? But you see how that yeah. instant karma works in my favor, though? Right. <laughs> right. Yo, you froze you know, up. Peter, you froze up when you said oh. what you were saying. I said that he, <laughs> he, he is, got me, though. Right. Yeah, he is, held you down this now. <laughs> he is ASA 9, ASA 10, ASA 11, ASA all of that. He, somebody got to smack some sense into this boy. Because let me just tell you something. At no time. At no time in Kyrie Irving's career do I feel he was the best option on his team. Okay? And I'm going to take it all the way back. I'm going to take it all the way back. I'm going to take what Tavia said and take it a little bit further. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even the number one scoring option on his Blue Devils team when he played his single year in Duke. I would have rather put the ball in Nolan Smith's hands or in Kyle Singler's hands before I put it in Kyrie Irving's hands. Mm. Okay, now listen, Kyrie Irving then goes to Cleveland, and he gets paired with LeBron James, which I don't know where in your right mind you think you are a better option or you are not or, – or that LeBron is not an equal option to taking the last shot as you. I dare, I dare anybody in Chicago say that Michael Jordan was not the best option to take – the game winner. And I know how much Tay hates on MJ. But hate even on, hate. Right. And, and the fact mm. is that as good as Scotty was, Hall of Fame player in his own right. Okay. As good as as good as Horace Grant was, and as Steve Kerr was, and, and all them other players were on, on them bulls. They all knew it's Jordan first, everybody else second. Okay. They knew what it was in L.A. when Magic was there. They knew what it was in L.A. when Shaq and Kobe was there or when Kobe was the only one there. Okay, they all knew what it was. Kyrie Irving has such a, a, a desire to place himself above LeBron and everybody else. And right now on the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant to me is the number one option when he's healthy. And before I put the ball in Kyrie's hands, I'd rather put it in Clarice LeVert's hands. I'd rather put it in Spencer Dinwiddie's hands. And if it's a three-point shot, I'd rather put the ball in Joe Harris's hands because Joe Harris has been a monster the last two seasons from three. Then, mm -hmm. 
if all else fails, yeah, I'll put the ball in Kyrie's hands. But I'm not expecting Kyrie to be to be the the assassin. I'm not expecting Kyrie to be the finisher. I'm not. I'm sorry. I didn't even like it when we signed him. I hate the fact that Kyrie Irving is in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. I hate the fact that we needed to sign Hello, him. Is it frozen on mine? Right. I uh, hate it's frozen on Peter then. <laughs> Not oh, for me. What? Oh, okay. I, it was frozen for me. Okay, it was frozen for me. I was quiet because he's speaking the truth. I hate Got the you. fact that we had to sign him to get Kevin Durant, okay? And Matt was going off in the chat yesterday about how, oh, uh, Kemba Walker's... A, I would have rather taken Kemba Walker over Kyrie Irving if we still could have gotten Kevin Durant. I would take a lot of other point guards in this league. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that Kyrie Irving does not have the skills to be a top-flight point guard in the NBA. He mm-hmm. does have the skills. Does he play up to those skills consistently? No. Is he the number one option on his team? No. And he needs to just stop talking and play. And maybe he can prove to us that he is a number one option. Because he didn't do it in Cleveland with LeBron, except for that one shot in the finals. One shot! Hmm. Okay? He definitely didn't do it in Cleveland when LeBron was gone. Okay, and he effectively destroyed Boston for the for the two years, three years that he was there. Mm. Okay, so don't don't give me this, Kyrie. Like, stop. You spent the whole year, okay, this past season, bitching and complaining, and then got hurt. Okay, the Nets were fine before you got there, and they showed when you got hurt that they were better with you off the floor than they were with you on the floor. Just like in Boston, right? And so I am, I am, I am upset that he's with us. And you want to talk about trade? I take Ben Simmons. Give me Ben Simmons. I trade Kyrie for Ben Simmons. I take his non-shooting point guard ass over Kyrie any day. Because <laughs> at least Ben know he ain't hitting no threes. Hey, hey. Well, he did. We, he did. And he's the fact—he so needs to keep his mouth shut, man. Like, and you know it's a dig at LeBron. You know it's a dig at LeBron. But where LeBron at? LeBron in the NBA Finals right now. LeBron's in the NBA Finals, and where you at, Kyrie? Right now, you are trying to seem like you a leader of that of that Nets team, and you ain't a leader. They ain't looking at you with the leader. They looking at KD. Yeah, and and it it, it is crazy when you have to pick between those two. <laughs> who who's the leader? And because sometimes KD can be emotional as well. But if I'm looking in terms of leadership of a team and somebody who's been a leader on their team at one point in time, I'm looking more at KD than I I am looking at Kyrie. Sometimes Kyrie just I don't know. Like like I said, I'm looking more at KD regardless of it. KD's the more established player. Let's be real. Let's be real. Like I'm not, I'm not on him about the Golden State thing. Let's talk about just in general. Any place KD was, he made the team, the two teams that he was on better. Kyrie left Cleveland, uh, went to Boston, made Boston bad. Yeah, uh, because the year that Kyrie did play in the in the in the um, playoffs with them, they didn't advance. They didn't. They didn't advance. They were in the conference finals without Kyrie. Then you move forward. The Nets gave um, Toronto a fit in the playoffs this year. 
Nets played their ass off to even get to that spot this year because Kyrie only played like seven, eight games this year. He barely played. The games he played, he didn't pass the ball. He shot 40 times. <laughs> and, they, and they lost some of those games where he shot all the shots. Right? Like I, Kyrie is a very good player. And with his godfather being Rod Strickland, you would think he would be a better floor general, right? But he's not. And at the end of the day, players like Karis LeVert and Joe Harris, um, Turian Prince, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, they're all going to suffer when Kyrie comes back. Point blank. They were this year. They were suffering while Kyrie was on the floor, and you mm-hmm. saw the way they, that that whole team and that chemistry have been destroyed by Kyrie playing the way that he plays. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense how people are raising – like how how great Kyrie Irving is, and Kyrie Irving is a very good player, but he's not a leader on the floor. He's not a leader. It just goes like, to show how diluted the point guard position is nowadays. That Kyrie Irving is considered to be a top five point guard uh, in the NBA today, uh, because I don't think. Put it you like this. Put Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving in the NBA that we all grew up in in the nineties mm-hmm. and the early two thousands, and somebody would have punched Kyrie in the mouth already. I want to see him trying to tell – I want to see him trying to complain to Bruce Bowen that Bruce Bowen guarding him too hard. Or, you know, that – you know, I would like to see him try to go up against a guy like Steve Nash and Nash's prime or things like that. Kyrie Irving would not survive in the, in the NBA we all grew up watching. Absolutely not. Do we have any final thoughts on this topic? Moving on. No? Let's, yes. <laughs> That's as, the final as, thought on Kyrie Irving. As, as, as Tavia would say, moving on next. <laughs> And as as we're moving on again, we talk about Kyrie's former teammate that he, we think that he's taking a dig at, who's up 2-0 in the NBA Finals against the the, the overachieving Miami Heat. Um, so the, a funny stat that's been out for a little bit, but it, it's funny that uh, we're bringing it up now. The Mamba Knights jerseys that they're wearing, the Lakers are undefeated in those jerseys, right? Cool. That's cool. But please take into account that um, Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler got injured in game one. Right? And two two out of those three did not play in game two. Is this series all but over? Is it the Lakers just about to sweep them? Or do you see Miami really fighting to, to not get swept? T, I'm going to start with you on this one. First of all, mm-hmm. there with the untimely and unfortunate death of Kobe and Gianna, right? Mm-hmm. There were there was no other team that should have won the NBA Finals this year but the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. That's number one. Number two, I feel that Miami might pull it together for maybe one more game, mm-hmm. but it might be like a gentleman's sweep. Or at best, game uh, game six. Mm-hmm. Number three, the Heat did exactly what I said they were going to do. They came out ferocious the first quarter of game one, and mm-hmm. they got figured out very soon, which mm-hmm. I said was going to happen before the injuries even started. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like 
they might give maybe one or two, maybe give up a better fight tomorrow. You get what I'm saying? Um, I don't like to say series are all but over because you just never know how things are gonna mm-hmm. kind of play out. Um, I remember when Golden State blew that three-one lead, and everybody thought that you know it was a wrap. It was a wrap, and it really wasn't. Like, haha, bitch, you know. <laughs> but nah, I think I, I think it's over-ish. But you never can count out a team that has Bolstra and Riley at the helm. Um, I hate to see that injuries are there. You know what I'm saying? Because you yeah. want to see both teams at their best. You know, 100%. you can't see, especially how hard Miami plays throughout the playoffs. Yeah. But fuck the Heat. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Tavia never holds back. <laughs> I love it. Um, I want to. I want to start by giving Miami a lot of credit. I thought last night they played a closer game than I thought it would be, considering yeah. the fact that uh, Drogic was out and Bam was out. That game ended with a ten point difference, and most of the time it was no more than a ten point lead for LA throughout that entire mm-hmm. game. So for for Miami to really hold it as close as they did with two of their best players out to injury, um, I think shows that this series is not over. I do think, though, like Tay said, that they're probably getting one at most two games. I don't think this is going to be a seven-game series. I don't think – listen, I called Miami in six or seven. I did. I'm going to stand by that, right? I called Miami in six or seven. And I want Miami to win. I do want Miami to win. Um I do think it is completely possible. We've seen it. We've seen people come back from 3-1. We've seen them come back from 2-0. The one thing that I will say plays in Miami's favor is the fact that the Lakers bench and the Lakers role players have really been shooting at a very high clip these first two games. Rondo made more jump shots in game one than I've ever seen him make in his whole career. Okay. Um. And to me, there's just a lot of streakiness. I see um, KCP having an off night. I see Caruso not being able to keep this up all series. I don't see Rondo being able to hit every single open jumper he gets. And I think it falls back on if these players revert back to the mean. If what we've seen from the Lakers all season and all playoffs continues and these guys are not giving the high level of of contribution that they gave in game one and game two, and this is all on LeBron and AD to score everything, then that's how I think Miami still has a chance in, right? Because again, if this becomes AD and LeBron versus all of Miami and the Laker role players are not producing, I think Miami still has a shot. But if Caruso and Rondo and KCP and all of them continue to produce at the level that they have in game one and game two. I don't think this goes beyond five games. I saw you shaking your head, Javier. Go ahead. People tend to forget that they have the greatest player of all time on the Lakers. Second greatest player. The first. (laughs) Jordan was a better scorer. LeBron was better than is better at everything else. Put the rings on the table. Well, no, but the thing is, they had an easier path to the finals every year. Hmm. They, the, 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 the Bulls had an easier path to the finals. They didn't have to play against these super teams now. They didn't have super teams like that back in the 90s. Let's be real. 
almost every team in the nineties was a super team. Not necessarily, not necessarily. You had tandems. You get what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. the nineties basketball was known for tandems. You know, you had Stockton and Malone. You had this and that. You know what I'm saying? But they had a Jordan could not have done with the with the Bulls what LeBron did with the Cavs at all. I would gentlemanly argue on that with you one day. I I, I think you. I think no. no I think gentlemanly argue yeah, with you. I see. I see. I see where you're coming from, uh, and I and I respectfully disagree though. Yeah, because the thing is, at the end of the day, <clears throat> Jordan had the the ability to do that and didn't do it before he got the pieces, before he got Scotty, before he got Steve Kerr, before he got Kukoc. He was in the league for seven eight years before he won anything. But he got beat up the same way LeBron did. Way no, same way LeBron was getting beat up. I think I think Jordan got I think Jordan got beat up more. You know what I'm saying? But I still the stats don't lie that LeBron is a better overall player. He's good at defense. He's good at rebounds. He's good at this. Jordan was the pro. Like I I always compared Jordan and Kobe. They were cut more from the same cloth. I Correct. feel. Yeah. Than mm-hmm. LeBron and Jordan, people love to do that for the generational thing. But Kobe and Jordan were cut from the same cloth. They were prolific scorers, and I still think that Kobe was a better defender than Jordan too. The defensive player of the year that uh, Jordan got kind of just right. Jordan defensively, like, yeah, Jordan defensively like, was right, how underrated. Honest with you guys, because uh-huh. only because I was I'm not I hate to always put my age in there, right? Okay. But I'm, I think I'm older than both of y'all. You know what I'm saying? By, mm-hmm. by, by margin. Enough to know and to have seen live and be mm-hmm. a bigger per- be an older kid watching these games. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for a Steve Kerr three, they wouldn't have made it past the Knicks. If it wasn't for a Scottie Pippen night, they wouldn't have made it past this team. So everybody played, every saw from the last dance, everybody, Jordan, what he had, was a psychological advantage over his players that LeBron doesn't didn't have. But mm-hmm. as a better facilitator, LeBron's a better facilitator, and a, I feel a better leader, a better floor general. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Everybody was like, "All right, pass it to Jordan, let's go." But you, you know what I'm saying? But getting back to you know the the NBA Finals, I don't think that the Heat had a snowball's chance in hell of winning this series at all. From before okay. the series, it was over before it started. AD and LeBron, they are a match made in heaven when they're on point. I feel that like they play without jealousy. I feel that they play very compatible with each other. And I feel like the they have enough people on the bench that has had different success. Like, I told you guys Rondo was going to be a problem in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I told you, even though J.R. Smith, shout-outs to him, he could be effective on the court if they use him. He's a he's a gun and holster. Miami wasn't deep enough to me. So. I think for me, um, you both raised good points. Um, LeBron has to consist like LeBron had thirty three nine and nine, one game or probably yesterday, right? Um, AD 
went wild. Um, but it's like what Shaq says: it's the others that's like like that's also handling their business because there was games in the playoffs where LeBron and AD would do what they had to do, and the others didn't. And those games look a little funny. Not gonna, not gonna hold you, but the whole Lakers team right now is running on the, the one accord. Like that that whole coaching staff, Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd, all the way down to the end of the bench, they're all just on one accord right now. And it's so hard to beat a LeBron led team when everybody has the same mindset that LeBron has right now. And that's to win. And that's to win. Win at all costs. It's hard for Miami to stop. And we'll get into the logistics of things. It's hard for Miami to stop a player like Anthony Davis without a bam out of bio. Yeah. That's at full health. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's hard for a, my, a Miami team to stop a LeBron James with a hobbled Jimmy Butler, an older Andre Iguodala, and, and a foul-prone um, Jay Crowder. It's, it's not going to work. Like I said, I, I wanted Miami to win just based off of, of I picked them early in the year and how hard they play. But at the end of the day, we know the Lakers are about to, <laughs> uh, about to take the series. Yeah. But what Peter said was right. A lot of things have to go right <laughs> for Miami to even make this series an actual series. And all the Lakers need is for either AD or LeBron to be on point. That's all they needed. One of the Heat, they needed. They need everybody to be on on point. The Heat is the only team in the league that reminds me of any resemblance of a 1990s team. They're the only team. Mm What's interesting to me with the Heat and what I think is really messing with them in this series, and, and I saw a lot of it in game one, a lot less of it in game two, but I still saw some of it. Um, they seem to be – so we saw that huge first quarter by them in game one, and I think right. it, that has really permeated through their first two games. They're trying so hard to outscore the Lakers early. They're going down court quick. They're taking quick shots. They're trying to get up and down real fast. And at the end, of, and then in the half court, the Lakers are killing them, right? And I think that's what really destroyed them in game one. And again, I saw, I saw less of it in game two, but I still saw instances where Miami's just trying to blow L.A. out the water early instead yeah. of playing that slow, methodical game. Yes. And getting your buckets when you need to, yeah. running that clock, really making LA work on defense. Yeah. They're just running down the court, popping up threes, popping running up shots. Yes. Right. And then LA's just taking the rebound and bringing it down. And what is LA doing? They're going, they're running the rebound back to the half court and then setting up their offense and mm-hmm. making Miami work on defense. And that's why I think Miami got blown out in game one the way that they did with that 25 to 3 run that LA had. And then game two was a little bit better because they started playing more half court. They started playing less run and gun, but I still saw a bit of it. If they start going back to a methodical method of slow and steady, I think they stand a bit of a chance, but popping up shots and a lot of them ill-advised quick threes, it's not going to win you an NBA finals. It's just not. You're not the Golden State Warriors where you have all these high percentage shooters that you can just throw up shots 
five, 10 seconds into the shot clock, but you know you're going to make 60 to mm-hmm. 70% of those shots. And we're missing exactly. and we're missing one major point out of this, too. It's the Jimmy Butler factor. Now, here's, here's what I mean. And I saw this last series. Oh, I think Jimmy, Dre froze. You froze a little bit over there. I'm sorry. I'm I'm back. I'm back because yeah, I, I was getting a call. Um, Jimmy Butler. Um, he's playing too passive. Way too passive, and he's been playing passive since the beginning because his team has been hitting. That's cool, no problem. But your team is not shooting well at all. Your team's not shooting well. Two of your best shooters on the floor have to take more shots because the injuries are, are a little bit higher now are, 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 are like bothering the team. But Jimmy Butler, you have to take over. Like you had plays where you have Alex Caruso on you. I'm not saying Alex Caruso is a bad defender, but come on, bro. You're Jimmy Butler. Go at, <laughs> go at Alex Caruso. Like you have to be aggressive. And especially when you have like, like lower tier defenders on you or when you're open, stop passing the ball. You have to take over at some point in time. You have to. It's not a. It's not a matter if if you if he can do it. It's about doing it. We get on, shoot, not putting Jimmy Butler and LeBron James in the same atmosphere. All I'm saying is that we look at Jimmy Butler as one of the stars of the team, and as one of the stars of the team, you need to take over. You need to take over. Like. The Lakers are exposing the fact that Jimmy Butler does not want to score until the, towards the end of the game. And that's going to be the Heat's downfall, ultimately. Drogic is playing is going to be playing on a messed up heel. So he let's let's take Drogic out, out the picture. Bam is playing on a bad shoulder. So your team is already playing hobbled and you're not playing hard enough. For me, Jimmy, I don't think Jimmy Butler's playing hard enough on the offensive end for me to, to make the, the, the series look even cl- remotely close. Yeah. Any any thoughts on that? I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, we, this is the NBA Finals. It's it's it, this this is truly win or go home. At the end of the day, it's the final mm-hmm. round. So I feel like you got to leave everything out there, uh, and no mm-hmm. one should be playing passive at all. At all. At all. Even at though all. he was on the court for like 43, 44 minutes, forty-five minutes in game two. Yes. Yeah. He said yeah. he would play all forty-eight if it meant that they could get a win. Day. The, the Lakers were playing sloppy toward the end of that game, too. I was kind of like, y'all keep messing around, and they hit one or two threes. This game is something. Like, like you hit two threes, that's a four-point game, guys. You don't want to you don't want a team like Miami who when they think they that could they could win for them to take advantage of that. That's the last thing you want as the Lakers. Close out the game, close out the series. It's, Pretty much, that's all you have to do. So, but um, that was fun, guys. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Um, we're bringing a new segment to the uh, to the Euro Sports Show. Um, it's called "Bring It to the Table." 
Um, basically, we bring it to the table. We give um, the people on the show about a minute or so to really just get whatever they want to get off their chest about anything sports, non-sports related. Um, you know what you're asking for, Dre? I am. So, with uh, with that being said, Peter, I will start with you. All right. Uh, and actually, when you, when you told me about this couple uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday, I was actually thinking about it and, and something popped up yesterday. So uh, late last night, even though the St. Louis Cardinals were eliminated from the MLB playoffs, uh, that wasn't the loss that weighed on the players' minds as they left the locker room. Shortly after the elimination loss to the San Diego Padres, news broke that legendary Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Gibson had passed away at the age of 84. To many considered the second best Cardinal of all time behind Stan Musial and definitely the best Cardinals pitcher of all time. Bob Gibson was the first Cardinal to win the Cy Young Award. He won that twice in his career, had 251 wins, a lifetime ERA under three, two regular season MVPs to go along with two World Series MVPs, which he won in 1964 and 1967, uh, St. Louis Cardinals championships. He's one of only three players to ever be named to two World Series MVPs, and he still holds the World Series record for strikeouts in a single game with 17. In his entire career, he had 56 shutouts, which is nearly more than both Tom Glavitt and Greg Maddox combined. In 1968, known as the year of the pitcher, Gibson went 22-9 and with an ERA of 112. 13 shutouts that year and complete games in 28 of his 34 starts. Gibson was always named as one of the primary reasons why the pitcher's mound, starting in 1969, was lowered from 15 inches to 10 inches. And one of my favorite stories about Bob Gibson... Hank Aaron, who was uh, the longtime Atlanta Bra- Milwaukee and Atlanta Brave, uh, told teammate Dusty Baker at one point when he asked for advice about Bob Gibson, he said, quote, don't dig in against Bob Gibson. He'll knock you down. He'd knock down his own grandmother if she dared to challenge him. Don't stare at him. Don't smile at him. Don't talk to him. He doesn't like it. If you happen to hit a home run, don't run too slow. Don't run too fast. If you want to celebrate, get in the tunnel first. And if he hits you, don't charge the mound because he's a gold glove boxer. He spent his entire 17-year career with the St. Louis Cardinals and also was a pitching coach for the St. Louis Cardinals under Joe Torre twice in his career. At the age of 84, last night, Bob Gibson passed away. All right, good. Very good. Very good. That's a nice obituary. It is. It is. Queen, Queen, your thoughts? I I just want to take my time to give a shout-out to my brother, Matt. You know what I'm saying? And just to let him know that I got his back 100% through anything and everything, and that I'm keeping him, his wife, and his kids always in my prayers, always in my thoughts, and that, you know what I'm saying, like, we all going to ride together to the world's fall off. You feel me? That's it. <laughs> Amen. And I, I think with, with mine, kind of want to piggyback off that. Um January of 2020, we started this show, right? Um, it was something I've been thinking about forever. Um, I've always wanted to do a sports podcast. I always wanted to do a sports show in general because I love the um, love the world of sports. Um, and 
I do want to give a big shout out again to the Jabatiz Network um, as a whole. Um, Wilkins, Janelle Black, who started this whole thing and gave me an opportunity um, to to be a, a major part in the network and to and let my ideas be heard. Um, this year has been really big. Um, we've had some ups and downs in the network personally um, and professionally altogether. But one thing that I do admire about all of us um, and even Pete as he joins um, joins the network and um, Talk of Champions as well, um, we all stick together. We all c- will continue to stick together. When I say um, that the dynasty continues, I, I truly mean that. We are a dynasty. We will always move forward. We will always make things happen. This year hasn't been the best, but 2020 will end this year off with a bang going into 2021. And when I say it's bigger than sports here, I mean it. We are the year sports show and we are bigger than just sports. That's all I want to say. So shout outs to again, the job test network, cats and dogs, talk of champions, uh, the Mr. Black show, uh, we got so much stuff. <laughs> Two and a half bros, um, the Jabba Tiz podcast, of course, and us at the Euro Sports Show. Shout out to BK Matt. He's on load management this week. He will be back next week. Um, Even though he get on my last trying to, he trying to carry these Kyrie Irving comments all by himself. Yes, he, he, he's on a mountain. <laughs> he he's see, on a we mountain talk about We talk about how. We, I'm sorry. We talk about dying on hills, man. Yo, <laughs> bruh, bruh. He was on that, that, on that. What's his name? That Kyrie Hill. He, he takes no Kyrie slander whatsoever. Yeah, that's the hill you want to die on, by all means. But, but um, I woke up this morning. That's all only coming. What? Yo, I woke up to go to the bathroom at three in the morning, and him and Dre was still going at it. Four four. I was like, the hell? I was like, you know what? Thank God I got no. But th- that's what we usually do in the chat. <laughs> like some, there's some nights where we're just like, there was another night where all four of y'all were just, just going at it. I'm looking at my phone like, yo, it's like two in the morning. My Carson win. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, but uh, again, for the, for those um who are watching, uh, make sure you if you RSVP'd, pop out to Legends. You're gonna see all of us there. It's it's gonna be a movie. It's definitely gonna be a movie. Just oh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Man. I am definitely looking forward to Sunday night. Man, it it is gonna be a movie NXT Takeover 31. If you haven't RSVP'd. It's very limited spots. You come in with your mask. Do not. You cannot come in if you're, you have not RSVP'd. It's very limited capacity because of um, the coronavirus. We have very strict rules we have to follow, follow there. So make sure you're there. Make sure you're there with your mask. Everybody will be socially distanced. It will be amazing. Um, thank you, guys. Of course, always. The show doesn't run without without all four of us, but you guys make my job a lot easier. <laughs> so... <laughs> for the queen, Queen Tay. For the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. 
It is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace. And all you other cats throwing shots at Jigga, you only get half a ball. Fuck y'all niggas.